Guess that's my cue. Well, good morning. My name is Eric Ashley. I'm honored and grateful to be one of your pastors and so glad to be with you in worship this morning again. You know, I, I think I end up saying this all the time and just, I, I just get so energized being with your kids. It's, they're just, they're amazing. And it's, it's so much fun to be with them and, and so energizing and they're so open to the Spirit and so open to what God has for them. And it's just, it's a, it's a good reminder for us all to kind of always be watching. You know, I was reading this week, uh, this is not part of the sermon, by the way, this is extra. <laughs> I was reading this week, you know, come to the, we come to the Lord as, as a child would come and uh, be open like a child is. And that's just a great reminder for me. And I would encourage you to kind of always be watching. Watch our, our children, our young adults and how they are open to the Spirit moving. And, and it's a reminder for us that we sometimes need to kind of make a change and, and be more open like that. So this series we're doing is, is the power of re. And the prefix re, R-E, means to go back or to do again. Go, go back to an original place, to do over again, to, to make a new once more. Also, also with this, uh, the sense of an undoing of what is happening. Words like reject, to throw it back. Recede, to move back. To return, to turn back. To rearrange, to arrange again. To regenerate, to grow again, maybe to grow again. To reuse, to use again. To reincarnate, to take on a body again. Re has, has a great bit of power in our language. And we see the power of re in, in many areas of our faith life. These, these first four weeks of January, we've been looking at the power of re. We looked at resolve and Last week, refresh in, in baptism. This week, we're going to look at restart. And, and next week, Trace is going to take us home with reframe and how Jesus reframed ministry. Our scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew. We're, we're just continuing on. We're going to jump like we didn't see the temptations there. We're just going to skip over the temptations. We're going to come back to those in Lent. Thank, thank the, uh, the fathers of the church for doing that. They like to jump over the temptations to Lent. So we're going to be in chapter 4, verse 18, in the calling of the disciples. Hear the word of God. As Jesus walked along the Galilee Sea, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea because they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away, they left their nets and followed him. Continuing on, he saw another set of brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in front of the boat with Zebedee, their father, repairing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So let me put this story in place a little bit. First century rabbis in, in education or discipleship 
had a little bit different look than our current educational system. In the first century, Israel, uh, there was no more honored or esteemed position than the rabbi. Everybody, every family, every parent wanted their child to grow up to be a rabbi. Parents, parents dreamed of children becoming a rabbi in much the same way that we might dream of them becoming doctors or a lawyer or, or a successful business person. And children and young people wanted to be rabbis like our ra- young people might want to be a, an entertainer or a star athlete. It was a profession held in, in high regard in the society. I, I first learned this teaching several years ago by a guy named Rob Bell. He used to pastor a church in Grand Rapids, a mega church in Grand Rapids. Now he, he's, kind of, he's pastor to many people. And I heard about this teaching, and it was, it's been fascinating to me for, for many years. He shared that at beginning age six, from age six to ten, children would go to what is called a school called Bet Sefar. Bet Sefar was the name of the school. And it was a kind of school for this age group of children. So we're looking, we're talking like first through fourth grader or something like that. And at that school, one of their main things, they would memorize the Torah. Okay, so if, if you're not up on what that is, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They would memorize the first five books, the Torah. In my Bible, that's 278 pages. I don't know how many scrolls that would have been for them. I have a hard time memorizing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, because I had to have it in my notes. After age 10, then, most, <clears throat> most would not go on. Most would not go on, but they would go and, and learn the, the, to work and learn the work of the family trade. You know, if they were fishermen, they would go be fishermen. If they were carpenters, they would go be carpenters. If they were uh, shepherds, they would go be shepherds. But the best of the best went on to what's called Bet Talmud. So from ages 10 to 13, the best of the best from that first group of kids, the best of the best would go on as part of their training to memorize the rest of the Hebrew scriptures. Not only the Torah, but then the prophets. All those prophets that we know of, like Isaiah and Jeremiah and those guys, and all those we haven't heard of, like Nahum and Amos and, you know, other guys that I don't, can't say right now. They would admit they, all the prophets and all the writings, the Psalms and the Proverbs and the history, everything. In my Bible, that's 922 more pages. We're going to start the classes shortly here at Grace. I'll probably be the only one that would have shown up just because I was announced it. So 10 to 13, those best of the best, they go on to memorize the rest of the Hebrew scriptures. And, and then at age 14, so you know 13 in our traditional Hebrew friends now is where they have the bar mitzvah and the bat mitzvah. So after that, at 14 and 15, at the end of Beit Talmud, the best of the best of the best, the top-notch students, would go on to what's called Beit Midrash. And during Beit Midrash is when they would apply to become a disciple of a rabbi. 
It'd be kind of like, you know, our kids that are graduating and, and they're applying to go to school, to college. And, and uh, it, was, it was a difficult thing. They, they would apply to become a disciple of a particular rabbi. And every, every rabbi had a, a different understanding, had a different interpretation of Scripture, they had different theology, they had a, a different focus of ministry, just like all of our churches may have a different interpretation and a different focus, a different mission. And every rabbi was a little different. But they would apply to become a disciple of a rabbi so they could become like that rabbi and they, they would do what that rabbi does. And, and some that didn't make the cut, the rabbi would say, no, this is not time, you're, you're, this is not for you, and would send them back off to go do the family trade, be a carpenter or fisherman or shepherd or whatever. And the rabbis tested them. They, they really grilled them. They were asking, you know, they were trying to find out, can this kid do what I do? Can, can this kid spread my teaching, my theology, my interpretation, my focus that I've, I've, I've chosen? Does this kid have what it takes? Now, the ones who didn't, who weren't the best of the best of the best, who don't have what it takes, they went and did the family trade. They went and did what their parents did. And in others, they said, yes, come follow me. Come follow me. Leave your family, leave your village, and devote your life to following this rabbi. Does that sound familiar from the scripture passage? Leave your family, your village, and devote your life to following me. That's what it meant to be a disciple in the first century. Following the rabbi all over the place, following, following the rabbi as closely as you can all during the day and, and traveling and teaching on these dusty, rocky, dirty roads. Can you imagine if you get this clump of, of disciples following at the footsteps of this rabbi, going wherever, you know, what they're stepping in? the dust of their feet, the dirt, the other stuff we won't mention, hot, dusty, dirty roads. And the, the rabbi's in front of you, and you're, you're getting swept up with whatever's coming off of his feet. That's kind of what it, the picture was like. And, and a, a saying developed among the sages then, it would say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Like, if you're really following your rabbi, there's kind of this image of being covered in the dust and other stuff of the rabbi in front of you. And that was a blessing. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Now, let's read the scripture again in light of that. As Jesus walked alongside the Galilee Sea, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea, because they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away, they left their nets and followed him. What do you find unusual about that passage? It's not a rhetorical question this time. What do you find unusual in light of what we just talked about? Yeah. 
right away. Right away they filed, followed. They weren't students. They're fishing. They're doing the family business, right? So at some point, they were said, nope, you're not good enough. You don't make the cut. One more thing that's unusual. Who made the, who made the ask? Jesus made the ask. The rabbi made the ask. Andrew and Peter didn't fill out an application and send it off and get tested. Jesus came to them, the opposite of the process, which we will see often with Jesus. Jesus approached them. They're doing the family trade. At some point, they've been said, you're not good enough. Go do your family trade, which is great. But at some point, they faced that disappointment that they were not going to be disciples of a particular rabbi. And then Jesus shows up and says, come follow me. At some point they were told, you're not good enough, but Jesus says, come follow me. And they drop everything and they follow him. Can you imagine? Imagine a rabbi comes up to you and says, follow me. What is he really saying? I think you can do what I can do. You are good enough. You can be like me. Andrew and Peter, at some point, they were in this schooling system, and at some point, they were told, you're not the best of the best, or you're not the best of the best of the best. Someplace they got put onto a different track. But Jesus comes and says, come follow me because I think you've got what it takes. Doesn't stop there. The second part of our scripture goes on. Continuing on, he saw another set of brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, repairing the nets. And Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. James and John, they were, they were apprentices with their father. They were working with their father in the family business, learning the family trade, the family business. Zebedee's, you know, proud. At some point, my boys are going to take over this family business. And Jesus approaches them in the same way. Come follow me. And they got up and went. Why, why wouldn't... I mean, the Bible leaves things out, but why wouldn't Zebedee, you know, you, you think he was like going, what the heck? <laughs> what am I going to do now? My two strongest workers are gone, and, and who, where, I'm not going to get past the family business on. But I wonder if, 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 if Zebedee went home, right, to Mrs. Zebedee, I mean, if, if rab, being a rabbi was as, as prestigious as it was, he probably went home and goes, honey, Guess what? The boys and I, we were fishing today and, and this rabbi named Jesus came by and he wanted James and John. Our James and John. Yes, that James. Yeah, I know. James, that one. Wanted him and them to go and be his disciples. It would have been, yeah. It would be like, you know, Harvard called and they want you to go to medical school. You didn't pass biology, but 
They think you got what it takes. And then can you imagine Zebedee going the next day, like going down Ensom to the, to the Sea of Galilee? Yeah, I noticed my, my boys aren't here today. Yep. I'm going to do the work all by myself. They're going to study with this rabbi. Yeah. Your, is your son going? To, your, your son? Oh, no, he's going to be fishing? Okay. My boys are with the rabbi. These nobodies, these, these guys who've been left out, these regular Joes got to restart. They got to restart, and together with Jesus, they changed the course of human history. So what does that mean for us today? So what? Who in your life, who in your life has said, you're not good enough? You know there's someone, someone out there. In all of our years, someone has said, you don't cut the mustard. Maybe it's not someone else. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe, maybe you've been the one saying, I'm not good enough. Is anybody else, or I might be the only one that had these tapes that play in your mind, right? They're on loop. Yeah, you're just, you're just this kid. You're going to be fat all your life. You're never going to get in to do what you want to do, and when you get there, you're not going to be successful. Whatever they are, we all have these tapes that play on over and over. Maybe it was family or friends or colleagues or teachers saying, you're not good enough. You're not the best of the best. You, you better go do this other job or you better go do this other thing or, or students, you better go take this other class. You can't do honors. You need to take this or you can't take AP. Don't even think about it. Or do enrollment, not a chance. You better go do this other thing. In our faith life, we talk a lot about having, having belief in Jesus. And it's an important tenet of our faith. But friends, I want to tell you today that Jesus believes in us. Just like Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee and approached Andrew and Peter and James and John and said, I believe in you. You guys have what it takes to be my disciples and to spread my teaching all over the world. You can go and do what I do. And he's telling us the same thing today. He told them on the shoreline and he tells us every day, you're good enough. You can do what I do. You can take my teaching wherever I tell you to go. He says, I, I believe in you. Come follow me. You get a restart. And he says, Craig, Craig, I believe in you. Come follow me. You get a restart. And Noah, he says to you, he says, Noah, I believe in you. Come follow me. 
you get a restart. Even those kids hiding the back tables back there, Derek, he says, I believe in you. Come follow me. You get a restart. And he not only says that to us individually, he says that to us collectively. He says, Grace Community United Methodist Church, I believe in you. I believe you got what it takes to, to spread my mission in the place where I've called you. I believe in you. Come follow me. You get a restart. So today as we close in song, the altar is open. It's a great place to come and to respond just like the disciples responded. They dropped those nets and they immediately went. And, and maybe this is your first time that you might be responding. Or maybe this is the hundredth. Maybe you just need a, a, a restart. Time to press the restart button because Jesus says, I believe in you, come follow me. You get a restart. Amen? Will you stand?
So friends, wherever you are, Jesus comes to you and says, I believe in you, come follow me, you get a restart. If you're stuck, and you're like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to even start the restart, you just reach out, one of us or many of your friends, but be happy to talk about how to do that. It'd be an honor to be doing that. The first time or the hundredth time, it's everybody gets a restart. So let me leave you with this blessing of the sages. Friends, may, may you follow your rabbi so closely that you may be covered in the dust of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.